loud so that we're uh, I don't know sometimes <laughs> I don't know what's happening I'm gonna restart my computer try to get it refreshed but I didn't want to like kick everybody out of the meeting no worries so, so that way that way you can do that and I'm still on and we can still talk is that way mm -hmm. okay. yeah just in case we do get connected <laughs> yeah I saw a little box come up and tell me I'm the co-host now I'm like oh okay I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> yeah uh, and, I don't know I, can I make this one I, I don't know what I'm doing, and I only briefly looked at the material. We we have our grandchildren <laughs> today. Putting me on the our, spot. <laughs> our our four year old and one and a half year old grandchildren came to visit this afternoon, and they're here until tomorrow afternoon. Oh yeah. I'm lucky they are asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we are lucky that I can be here. Uh, Scott's just now getting to the dishes for dinner, and he'll he'll join us when he's done. <laughs> but we're in a new. We're, we have to be in a different room. They're sleeping in our study. You know, it just. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to individually rock them to sleep. Mm. <laughs> First one, and then the other. Yep. But you know that's what a grandma's for, right? Well, and that helps you realize why we have children typically when we're younger, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I wanted to be done having my kids by the time I was 30 so that by the time I was 50, they were all grown and out of the house. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was uh, two days before my 31st birthday when the last one was born. So I made that mile marker. Yes, you did. And, That's awesome. Um, he was on his mission when I turned 50. Nice. So yeah, I made it, but you know, didn't know I was going to have my mother living with me. So I went from having the young children to the old child. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, if you ever have a parent, an elderly parent living with you, it, they do just kind of become like big kids mm -hmm. and you expect them to be the adult that you've always known. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard when they're not. Yeah, I hear you. I, My I'm mom learning. took care of her mom and I kind of watched that, you know, she kind of had dementia and mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's really tough. I, I'm learning lessons in patience. I'm learning lessons in charity <laughs> and in, uh, not getting frustrated and yeah. yeah. Some days I do better than others. <laughs> no. So anyway, <laughs> That's that. That is the way of life, right? Mm -hmm. And my husband, whenever he wants to get me mad, he goes, "You're going to be just like that one day." I'm like, "Oh no, 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 don't." <laughs> Cameron has met mom. <laughs> yes, we had lots of great questions that week. <laughs> she is so she is so interested and she wants to learn so much and she sits and reads and studies and listens to podcasts and 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 just and uh, youtube come follow me's all, all day long i mean she falls asleep intermittently through them so she doesn't it doesn't quite all stick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um she really she really does she, she's a uh, very interested in all right well let's go ahead and get started my computer's still thinking about it <laughs> we'll see but um let's see let's have uh Jeannie, would you give us a 
an opening prayer for us. Yep, you bet. Our Father in heaven, we're so very grateful for all of our blessings. We're grateful for the Sabbath day and for the opportunity that we've had to fast and to participate in fast and testimony meeting. We're so grateful for the spirit that so richly blesses us and helps us and prompts us. We're so grateful also for this opportunity to meet together as our, our book club and grateful to be able to study more of the deeper and richer doctrine that will help us to become the sons and daughters that thou wouldst have us be. Please bless us throughout our discussion that we will be able to have open minds, open hearts, and to fill of thy spirit that will be guided and directed to learn and remember that which will be of greatest benefit for us. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is our last section of the book. It's kind of bittersweet because this has been like such an awesome read through with, with all y'all, all the different groups have, have brought so much to each chapter, but um, just, just kind of a, a random question. If, if you can remember back, like what has been the most impactful chapter to you guys as you've um, uh, read through this and, and experienced it you know maybe it was your first time through or maybe it's been your hundredth time through but um what what chapter would you say was the the most meaningful to you like this is the one that you're going to go back and read again and again <laughs> yeah, for me it's the whole book but <laughs> i want to say it's the chapter that i'm currently in mm -hmm. oh. but yeah. i would say mighty change of heart i i think that was um, I don't know. This this mm -hmm. week would be awesome too. So um, yeah, I I agree. I think the current chapter um there is so much in this. Um, some things I have already heavily marked, and others I haven't had a chance to. I want to go back and do that some more. Heavily mark up some things. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of the, the most powerful have been um, this this week's reading here, uh, 306 to the end, uh, Power in the Priesthood. We've we've got a, a ton here to, to unpack, but I, I just love 307 to 308 where Joseph Smith is, is giving those quotes about women and, and their role in the priesthood and and what's what's available and where we're headed as a church today. I mean, this is uh, this is awesome times that we're living in. Uh, I, I was telling group A, I, I kind of uh, resonate with the, the parallel um, with, with migrants coming into a country, right, where they don't know any English. And for the first generation, it's, it's all the, the foreign language. By the second generation, it's, it's a pretty good mix, half and half, you know, out of necessity. But by the third generation, I mean, it's, it's not very far away. The third generation have completely lost their their original language for the most part, unless they've put in lots of effort and the parents have, have released, tried to stick with it. I think this is kind of the same principle. Those early pioneers knew this stuff. I mean, they had Joseph Smith teaching them and, and guiding them through it and stuff. And then one generation, two generations, now it, it's taboo. Oh, we don't do that. We This is, this is totally foreign, this is lost. And um, uh, we're actually ostracized if we even think or, or talk that way kind of thing. And so I, I really liked his uh, quotes here to, to really pull down that, that poignancy of the um, kind of the, the changing of the sign there. You know, like on 308, it, 
says the only thing that's changed since 1881 is a point of procedure. We have policy changes all the time. And this was to help avoid confusion. Our inspired leaders have instructed that females performing healings by faith should avoid laying on hands, which is now reserved as a sign of priesthood authority. All else remains the same, except that it has become uncommon for non-priesthood holders to work miracles by their faith because of that. So a change in a, a sign, a, a priest or a, a procedure policy, um, and then that that language over generations gets gets kind of lost there. Anyway, what what are your guys' thoughts on that? What what can we take from from Joseph Smith and apply and really um, learn this language again? Uh, you know, President Nelson's really behind uh, getting us there, but how do we actually do that? How do we live this section of power in the priesthood? Well, I really like the quote in here from Joseph that said, um, if the sisters should have faith to heal the sick, let all hold their tongues and let everything roll on. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, if they could do it, why, why are you fighting this? Personally, I think that's, it's a pride issue. I think it's a, a pride issue of, well, I have the authority to do that. I ought to be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. I have an opinion about that. But going on in the quote, it says, respecting females administering for the healing of the sick. There, he further remarked, there could be no devil in it. If God gave his sanction by allowing a healing, that there could be no more sin in any female laying hands on or praying for the sick than in wetting the face with water. It is no sin for anybody to administer that has faith or if the sick have faith to be healed by their administration. So he's basically saying, well, you know, if the Lord doesn't want to allow these women to do this, then they just won't be healed. Right. But if they, if he, if they are healed, then that's like the Lord saying, I'm okay with this. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, that is, that's really that's an important thing for me. Um, uh, I, I was told in a blessing that I was given the gift of healing and I needed to learn how to do it. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. So um, <laughs> yeah, welcome to, <laughs> to this whole principle, right? It figure it out on your own with the Lord, right? There's no handbook for this. <laughs> there, there is, there is none, you know, and you have, not only do you have no handbook, but you have 55 years of conditioning of um culture saying no you can't do this you can't do this you're not supposed to do this this isn't your job whatever you know um but i think that there's going to come a time we've, we've seen all the prophecies we've read all the things the men aren't going to be around somebody's going to have to you know somebody's going to have to do it so, yeah for sure anyway, um so i'm still i'm trying to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> yep and and we see that a lot i mean we have different forms of of feminist movements you know trying to to usurp and uh you know uh, take it in a wrong direction but yet uh that's how satan works right like take a truth and then try to to, to push an agenda behind it kind of a thing versus like we have many women that that i have seen uh, personally going going gangbusters and connecting with heaven through faith in order to to develop and, and learn and, and grow in this and it, it's quite amazing to to see but yet um we see lots of, of satan's counterfeits uh, today right i mean 
uh, say what you will about all the different uh, modalities and, and all that. And uh, anyway, it, it's just an interesting time to, to be learning this or relearning this, this native language uh, kind of a thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and I think talking about it is important. And I'm sure all of us have learned um, maybe the hard way about what we can talk about in front of who. <laughs> um, but the first time I was introduced to a sister who had done this was <clears throat> probably about three years ago. And it was in Relief Society. She's like a 86 year old sister. Uh oh, can you guys hear me? My, mm -hmm. my yep. Okay, so she was like, she's an 86 year old woman, and she told of an experience where her she had like a little banner hanging up in the baby's crib because it was really cute and the baby got entangled in it and the spirit told her go check on your baby and her husband was away at work so um she grabbed the consecrated oil and just kind of flicked it on her and said something to the effect of um by the power of the Melchizedek priesthood which my husband holds I command you to live or something to that effect. I had never heard of this happening before, but her baby snapped right out of it. They were able to get her husband and go to the hospital. Um, but again, I think talking about it and just uh, carefully talking about it, but I, it, this was news to me that people could do stuff like this in these days. So, yeah. Well, the thing that keeps you from doing stuff like that in these days is unbelief, right? Right. right, right, right. We, have unbelief. We, we have that unbelief. Sorry. Cameron, you get. I'm trying to shut it off. <laughs> We're in the twilight zone. Oh, my God. Um, but it, it's unbelief that holds people back, right? And our culture is so strong and it's so powerful and beating people down who do anything out of line right um that i think that's that's where it, it comes from but good on that woman you know if she's 86 how many decades ago was that when um when she did that but if you listen to what president nelson says right now right women you have priesthood power and I, I thought it was interesting, um, probably about 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, Dallin H. Oaks gave a talk and he talked about how when, his, when he was young, his mom died and how he went to his mom and said something about, you know, how yeah, I guess he was a deacon or something, how he was the priesthood holder in the family. And, and he, he talked about that in general conference and that kind of made it as a, oh, well, the son is the priesthood holder of the family kind of thing. And so it was really interesting um to hear president nelson specifically say widows if you've been sealed in the temple you still preside over your family so karen welcome back on your computer but you are muted <laughs> yeah sorry about that it's like this highly spiritual moment and then we're echoing like crazy oh my gosh well, that is what the adversary wants right he wants yeah. to break up the spirit he wants to stop that conversation <laughs> because this is something really important you were talking about counterfeits earlier um i used to do a lot of work in the financial industry and one of the things i had to do was i had to be able to tell the difference between counterfeit and real bills and um so you know the best thing to do to be able to, to identify a counterfeit 
is to know what the real bill looks like. You mm -hmm. don't necessarily study the counterfeit. There's so many different ways that they can be counterfeited. And when you see them, you go, oh, wow, you know, they try to do this. Um, but uh, an interesting um, concept, uh, Scott made a comment about this just the other day. He said, what bills are counterfeited? They don't bother with ones and fives and tens. They counterfeit 20s, 50s, 100s. Why? because those are worth more. Those are the things of higher value. So sometimes we can learn something by seeing what is it that Satan counterfeits. Find the true principle behind that. And then that kind of gives us an idea of the worth of that yeah. principle. Um, because if it's, if it's worth enough for Satan to counterfeit it, it's not a minor thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I, I think the power that women have is, you know, probably like a hundred dollar bill, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's um, common enough, but it's powerful enough and worth so much that he has been working for a long time to perfect his counterfeits and to sidetrack women to get us to believe the wrong things, to get us to think the wrong way, to get us to discount are God-given things. And I, it, it worked on me for a lot of years, a lot of years. I mean, you know, I went into a male dominated field. I was like, why do I have to be a girl? <laughs> why do I have to do this? I want to go and work. I want to do all this stuff. I don't want to stay home with my kids. I mean, I, I said that so many times now I'm like, dang, if, if I was me now, I'd be, I'd be staying home with my kids. I'd be homeschooling. I would be, you know, doing all these other things. 30 years earlier than I did. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, we all have our path to walk. To walk. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, one thing I was thinking with the story that Becky shared, um, I mean, do we even have to rely on the proof of power that our husbands have? Do we even have to call on that? Because like it, he was saying here in the book that it, bottom line, it's still faith. You know, um, and so, I mean, as sisters, could we not just take a hold of somebody's hands and pray with them and invoke a blessing without specifically calling on a Melchizedek priesthood or the priesthood that my husband holds? Well, I also think that we can, we can, when we find a, find a need, we can right then pray and ask Heavenly Father to heal someone, even if they're not with us. I mean, we can do that. We don't have to put our hands on their head or, you know, do anything like that. We can do that. There's nothing that stops us. And it's been, um, that is one thing that I found has been very um, enlightening is when I have, I have gone to the Lord with no other purpose other than to beg for him to heal someone else. And the Sometimes it's heal them and other times it's please um, support the family and help them to deal with whatever is coming through with it, with this, you know, and it's, it, it's so amazing the difference that, you know, and I, I see these act opportunities as ways, you know, this is the Lord teaching me without my manual, right? Without a user's manual. And it's really cool. It is really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've encountered that same conundrum a, a lot of times. And it's interesting watching um, women figure it out because like I'm, I'm over here trying to figure out my thing too, you know, like 
you know, we have our, our kind of basic playbook as, as priesthood holders, but like, I don't know, sometimes you're just kind of thrown into it and like, just do it. All right, whatever that means. And so I, I've learned a lot on uh, just watching, observing and, and things. And, and really, it, it comes down to that faith, because I've, I've seen both kinds of, of uh, female issued prayers. I, I don't know what the <laughs> correct terminology is here. But like, um, prayers of faith from from faithful women where they have called on the, the priesthood of, of their husband because that's where their faith was in the moment their their full-on belief that that a healing would happen versus another one where they I mean no it was just word for word it was as if uh, Christ was speaking himself kind of a thing and both worked so it's like huh it, it really comes back down to you know some of these principles here if if it's faith and there's no unbelief and you're actually following the voice of the spirit. It's very transformational and it's helped me learn in my own callings and, and revelatory process and, and things like, huh, that's how it works <laughs> kind of a thing. It, it, it's so transformational and, and we're just, we're just little gods in embryo. We're, we're, we're figuring this out and, and connecting with heaven and, and stuff. It's such an amazing process really. But it's so individualized that I get why this isn't over the pulpit in our current climate, right? I mean, uh, the higher uh, principles and, and connecting with heaven in, in that specific way, it just has to be an individual tutorship from, from the Lord himself to, uh, to get us to that. And we might fail a thousand times because we uh, get distracted by a counterfeit or, or this or that or, or whatever, but um, I, I really like that principle. It, it, the higher the, the counterfeit, I mean, it, it must be a, a, a great worth kind of a thing. Um, I, you know, we've, we've seen that as uh, it's kind of the, the Utah norm now, uh, talking about uh, energy healing and modalities and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. And, and it's all about navigating what um, that looks like and what the Lord needs you to do at any given time. I think we have Oh, sorry. Go you ahead. go ahead, Nancy. Oh. I think one of the reasons the brethren really are are um, encouraging people not to do the energy healings and things is because generally those are they're based on things that are natural or things like that, but they don't point to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the whole thing, right? Is um, that true healing will come from christ and from the power of christ and and if we use a certain mechanism whatever mechanism it is as long as we're directing people to the power of christ and using and christ then i think that that's probably um not as big of a deal i i don't do any of those i don't know so i, I don't really have a lot of um i don't have a lot of experience with them um, but I think that that's the biggest thing is the, um, they're, they want everybody to point to Christ and to look to Christ, because when you don't look to Christ, then you are open for, for false spirit that may, you know, um, they may give you something in the short run and may make you think that you're on the right path and then lead you the wrong way. So I think that's, that's the whole thing, not does this particular thing work here? And is, you know, is the Lord honoring this one thing or not? But I think that's also the difference between a handbook approach and- Yeah, generalized counsel for 
everybody yep. as a whole, yeah. General authorities give general counsel to the general membership of the church. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, Becky, what were you going to say? Well, as we were talking, I had um, a personal experience come to mind. Um, and it, it reminded me of the week when we talked about, you know, doing things in the name of Christ, whether it's prayer or whatever it is, just as long as you are doing his will, then you'll know what you need to do. Um, about a month ago, my husband had COVID and uh, we couldn't get a priesthood holder over here because everybody was concerned about catching COVID, right? Oh gosh, and, <laughs> that's my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, so um, he, he gets these high fevers when he gets sick a couple times a year. And um, anyways, his body wasn't responding to medication. And I couldn't get him to cool down. I had him using, you know, essential oils and homeopathy. And I was doing all sorts of stuff to try to help him. And the spirit just kind of settled over me. And it was like, you need to invite his dad to come give him a blessing. So I said a prayer out loud um, and invited my father-in-law to come over and help him. And I could feel the spirit who, who, just has, passed away. who has passed away. Yes, Leslie's husband. Um, and I felt the spirit flood over me. I ran to the kitchen right after to go get, um, some more water or something, <laughs> apple cider vinegar to get on his feet. I don't remember. I was trying a little bit of everything mm -hmm. and I came back in and my husband said, that was a nice blessing. And I said, wait, did your dad come? And he, he starts giggling. I mean, he's <laughs> delusional, but he remembers <laughs> this. He says, yeah, he did. And it was really nice. And all of a sudden, everything just kind of, you know, leveled out. And it was, it was really interesting, but it wasn't anything that um, I necessarily said other than the fact that I followed the spirit and invited him to help out because I didn't know what else to do. And that's what the Savior wanted done. And I just did what he had asked me to yeah. do. So anyways, yeah, exactly. Because like, I mean, the savior could have used you in that moment. I mean, you're right there and everything, but like it, it kind of comes in unexpected ways and unexpected times to like prove our faith and give us a sure knowledge and witnesses of uh, that he's in charge and he's got this kind of a thing, you know, like what a tender experience. I love that. Um. Let's see that that section was was a great talking point. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, so like becoming <laughs> yep, becoming pure in heart. Um, is that what you were saying? Sorry, it kind of cut out. Yeah, like, sorry. <laughs> I said I'm excited about the next one. Yeah, this pure in heart principle is just uh, it's awesome. I mean, like, yes, he's talked about it throughout the book, but like here, it, it really kind of distills down and you have to take all of the, the background and man, a powerhouse section uh, here with some, some truth bombs. Um, but yeah, what, what all did you guys uh, uh, get inspired with throughout uh, this next one? <laughs> we could talk the rest of the time just on this section. Uh -huh, exactly. Three. 
I like the I like the definition of a pure in heart. It's um at the top of three eleven, is um is a heart that is unpolluted by lies and false ideas. Mm -hmm. There are so many of those going around in the in the world right now, um, that so many people believe um, about everything, and um, those who are pure in heart will be have their hearts unpolluted by lies and false ideas. I really like. Mm -hmm. Well, and I learned a little bit about um, how easily false ideas can creep in. Uh, I had some incorrect ideas from growing up that uh, popped up this week that I had no idea were not um, accurate. <laughs> And it wasn't how everybody did everything because, you know, you grow up in your own little world thinking that's how things are. And the spirit was like, you prayed, let's see, um, on 311 in, let's see, the bottom of the throughout life paragraph, we can't approach the veil with lies in our heart. And so I started to pray, can you show me the, these lies? And this one popped up and I thought, oh, thank you for showing me this again, because it had happened you know a few weeks ago too and I brushed it off not even realizing that that could be a lie but such simple little things that we just carry with us throughout our life like we really have to have the savior show those to us so that we are able to give them to him and have him place truth in our minds instead of the lies that we had no idea were even there Mm -hmm. false traditions. Now you're making me wonder <laughs> what, <laughs> what craziness, you know, because I, I have one of the things that I have found, um, especially living in Ohio and then now living in Utah is it's crazy how many of the same attitudes and ideas and things they're in both places. Where do they come from? How, how are members that are so far apart getting the same ideas when it's not something that's taught from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even before social media and, and stuff, you know, how, how does, how do these spread? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Satan's tricky. Um, John does talk about that. We don't, thank goodness. We don't have to know every little thing because it's so there's so much of it and so deeply ingrained that we I don't even think we can know um, that let's see it's page 314 I think at the top um, talks about um, I think that's where it was there can be such things as overmarking <laughs> like you're reading yeah <laughs> I found that to be the case in my book. like that's uh -oh. color code yeah. <laughs> so um, he said it's in the middle of the first paragraph. It's unusual for a mortal to see clearly enough into one's own mind to, to identify the falsehoods that are created, creating the offending beliefs. They're too deeply ingrained into our psyche. In most cases, we view them as perfectly normal and completely justified. Right, Becky? Um, and um so he goes on to say that the spirit is what will will route this out as we're willing to 
follow it and um, that we don't really have to worry about seeing every little thing that it's gonna, uh, we will gain the purity that we need because we are going forward with faith and, and following. Um, and then one more thing, uh, it was at the bottom of the second paragraph, it said, we become as a child, submissive, humble, meek, patient, full of love and willing to submit to the will of the father Mosiah 319, the willingness of the willingness to submit flows um, in large part from a deep sense of safety and love. Um, we view life in its correct gesta as being designed so that we might have joy. And um, I shared another place, a quote from Elder Renland, and I would like to share that again because that fits very much in with what he just said that, um, that the willingness to submit comes from that deep sense of safety and love. And um, so this comes from a BYU devotional that he gave back in 2015, August 15th. And it says, and, and the name of the talk is Religious Freedom and Fairness for All. So you just never know what quotes you're going to get by the titles of talks. Mm -hmm. um, he said, when you feel completely and perfectly loved, it is much easier to love others and to see them the way the Savior does. Please turn to our Savior in prayer and ask to receive his pure love, both for yourself and for others. He has promised that you will feel his love if you ask in faith. And... I started doing that and it's been pretty miraculous and I'm, I'm a, I'm a different person and I thought it was going to be, um, I guess part of me didn't think it would work, but I, I trust him and I did it and I keep doing it and, um, it's pretty, pretty astonishing the change that can occur when we, we want to, and we don't bar God from doing what he wants to do in our lives mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a huge one right like he has to obey our laws and not the other way around like we just kind of put him in a box that uh, he only can function in this way and this way but yet like you said uh just that willingness when we're we're comfortable and at peace and everything then then it it, it flips around and then mm -hmm. We go, oh, <laughs> yeah. you, live, you live divine law and I, I'm here. I just need to step back and, and not put my, my own spin on things. Yep. Yeah, I love that. It, it really is hard being able to see it in yourself. And so when those invitations come and when they resound from, from the mouth of, of anyone, but, you know, his authorized servants, especially, you know, they, there's invitations in conference all the time. And one might hit somebody uh, totally different and uh, at different times when we, we listen to it and stuff, but to, to act on those and, and then that, that love and, and, and everything can start flowing. I love that. Flowing, that's a great word. Mm -hmm. Somewhere else in here, he talks about being stuck. Does anybody yeah. know what it is? Um, I'll find it. The story about the friend who couldn't rise above his. Yes, 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 yes. Three thirteen. Yeah, three thirteen. Yeah. yeah, can't rise above your beliefs. Mm -hmm. 
He yeah. sees himself as stuck in the very circumstances that he himself has created. So he stays there. How yeah. often do we do that? All the time, I think. All the time. I know. I was trying to put myself in that, that same position there and going, how am I like that guy and never able to make a, a fortune or whatever, a, a spiritual wealth for myself? And it's like, huh and i keep trying it over and over and over again and and you might get the same results if you're going to do the same thing so uh his problem is his unwillingness or inability perhaps to think differently and you know i mean that's definitely what this book and all of our books have have really done is help me actually think differently remove the blinders look at my life from different perspectives to to kind of see those things but again how hard is it to see it in yourself because, I mean, sometimes we don't want to be how we are, but we just don't even know how to change. And so we need training wheels. We need advice and counsel from our peers and uh, leaders and, and things. Um, but the, the most important thing is when the council comes, like, like over here, people had started giving him suggestions at how to succeed at his ventures. But, I mean, he just continued on with, with doing what he had always done. He, he never took the, the council and applied those. And so I really like that about like Leslie's example there, like that one thing, even if we might not see exactly how it will play out or, or whatever, it's not unbelief, but like, you're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to trust you because I just don't understand it. So I'm going to do it, put it into practice and then boom, the power uh, can, can start going. It was pretty unbelievable. And I'm like, wait, it's been, it's like Dorothy with the Ruby slip. <laughs> yeah. It's this easy all along my goodness and then the next to the last chapter um when our thinking is polluted by untruths and it can be untruths of how we feel about ourselves mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that time a lot of the time it's that um we keep ourselves stuck in the world and uh, the beliefs that uh, our beliefs i missed a word there sorry um if our beliefs exclude a clear picture and bright hope of obtaining Zion, we are powerless to rise beyond our beliefs. We, if we cannot believe in and see ourselves luxuriating in the presence of God, my head could see it, but my heart couldn't see it because I didn't, couldn't, my heart couldn't feel God's love for me. My head could, but my heart couldn't, if that makes any sense at all. Um, then that impure belief alone no matter how sin, I did not understand this, no matter how sinless we may be other, otherwise obtained is sufficient to keep us on this side of the veil. And you could have blown, knocked me over with a feather on that until I, cause I, when did this come out? Like 2010, I've read it a number of times, but the student wasn't ready, I suppose, because uh -huh. I, I didn't have that change my heart. I didn't have eyes to see. So yeah, anyway. exactly. I, I've experienced that with lots of different principles throughout this book. It's like, holy cow, I've, I've <laughs> listened to this many times. And um, like I shared in, in group A, the, the one principle that when I came to it this time, I'm like, this is it, Cam, if you gloss over it again, it will be taken. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I gotta get this. <laughs> kind of thing so yeah there's there's lots of little nuggets and, and principles here that yeah like you said you could blow me away with a, a feather well there's so much even in the previous sections of this chapter 
and this that all goes together on this belief and unbelief mm -hmm. right this unbelief that robs us of so much and um we don't know what we don't believe sometimes we don't realize oh this is what's holding me back and so some you know we you have to take an inventory um, I started making a list a couple of years. Well, oh, geez, it's been four years now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, it's just a couple of years ago. You know, I sat down and started making a list of all of these, these um, beliefs that I had that weren't correct or traditions or, or things or thoughts, things that I had grown up with, things that I had um, added to my thought processes because that's what had seemed to be accurate only now looking back i can go oh that that wasn't quite right that's that wasn't a you know a true principle and and when you sit and do that kind of an inventory on yourself and you you say oh i i need to get rid of this and then you know you got to get rid of it and then actually doing it is a whole different ball game. oh exactly those unbeliefs so like my current I'm trying to like phrase this for myself so that I learn this principle and stuff, but would you agree with this statement? And, and it could be totally wrong. Like, I'm not trying to like be weird, but um, that there's two veils that we have no control over, but all of the other veils uh, and those two being when we enter mortality and when we leave mortality, like we have no control over um, those except through the Lord. Um, but all of the other veils we've actually heaped upon ourselves through unbelief like everything else is just something that we've accumulated after childhood some cynicalism or, or whatever that we have to start rending all of these other veils to start seeing ourselves clearly and becoming as as a child I don't know that's I know I'm not wording it great but like that principle has started kind of starting to distill on me and it's like huh wow, I am, I'm so shielded. I, I have so many different veils on and, and they're heavy. And sometimes it's hard to really see what those are until you start unpeeling the onion and realizing, oh, that's so much better to have that unbelief gone. I, I, I can move freer. I, I'm, uh, I can uh, do things better and stuff. Anyway. No, I like that, Cameron. And you know, and you can even take that farther to say that all of those layers are blocking your light. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, the light more you block in, the layers, yeah. the more the light from within, you know, your, you know, your spirit and, you know, what it remembers and who you are, you know, at your core, you know, can, can show better as you peel away all those layers. So I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's, it's such an interesting process. <laughs> and I'm trying to do it like super quick. And, and I want I think to the veils are like lies because I, I know you guys read probably around it, but the section, let's see if I still have my bookmark there, but we believe all these things that the world tells us. And I think that's why we are supposed to immerse ourselves in the scriptures because it tells that we're, you know, we're beloved. The Lord loves us and has sacrificed his son for us and we're loved. And we just sometimes don't believe that. Like Leslie said, we believe it in our head, but not in our heart. Mm -hmm. And we believe the lies of the world. It says we are taught that we're not popular because we're fat, skinny, tall, short, white, black, yellow, different. We are unlovable or a bad boy or a bad girl. 
we have a temper and we believe these things. So I think a lot of the unbelief is we believe the lies of the world and what other people tell us. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't know, maybe people have had perfect growing up and they've had perfect teachers and perfect parents that don't ever criticize you or tell you you haven't done this right or that right. Or you're, like they said, too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, you know, mm-hmm. or you're never going to make this. And we believe that. And I think that's, I think we have to see, like you said, we're gods in embryo. And I think we have to see ourselves as with that potential mm-hmm. and that we're loved and beloved by God. And we can do anything through him if we just learn to not believe the lies of the world and peel back those unbelief and those veils, those lies that we've been told. Mm-hmm. Well, and Al, you make such an interesting point too. Um, and I, um, I started doing um, some counseling for family services. And one of my clients is um, an 18 year old girl. And we've kind of had this conversation and her fear of really feeling God's love and understanding how wonderful, how special she is, is that that is going to make her um, lose her humility. She thinks that her self-flogging and seeing her faults and how terrible she is, that that allows her to be more interested in being empathetic and kind and loving to others. So she's afraid to lose that um, for fear of who she'll become. So what what are your guys' thoughts about that? That is. Uh, <laughs> uh, he actually talked about that in the stuff in the section earlier in this chapter. He talked about that. Yeah, he um, did. I remember saying something about humility and and self. Was it the unbelief section yeah. or no? I, I, no, I think it was on prayer because when he was talking about prayer, he was like sitting there and just um, going groveling and saying over and over again how awful you are how unworthy out of that that that's not what yeah. the lord wants and um where was uh, that oh i'm looking i'm looking oh because yeah it was just last week's uh, discussion because i i remember seeing that hmm. And I think it was in, I don't, I don't know if I marked it even, but it, even that is a, is a form of pride, right? And mm-hmm. we have to get rid of all of that pride. Um, yeah, I remember there was a- 262 under mighty prayer. Uh, the second paragraph toward the end um, during such prayer, all feelings of self-doubt, self-loathing, or even self at all are depart. We no longer feel the need to apologize profusely, to self-denigrate, or spiritually grovel to evidence feelings of humid- humility. So it wasn't last week. <laughs> I, I probably would have never found it. Wait, yeah. did you say 252? 262. Okay, no wonder. 262. Yeah, because it was yep. it was in relation to prayer. Remember that. You know, if we want to have mighty prayer, we need to stop thinking of ourselves, right? And that's where we talked, I think, about all of this self, 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 self. And, and what does the world want us to do to focus on ourselves? Mm-hmm. We're also worried about ourselves. I was sitting in um in whatever the fifth Sunday meeting was last last week, um, which in Utah was a 
whole different thing. But um, and this lady sat down next to me and and she made a comment about me and my comments in class. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, whatever. And she says, oh, I could never, I could never comment in class like that. I, I never know what to say. I would, I'm afraid that I would say the wrong thing. And, um, you know, the Lord put words in my mouth because I don't, I don't know where they, you know, where this would have come from otherwise. But I, I told her, I said, you're worried about how you look. Everybody else is worried about how they look. They're not worried about what you say or how you say it. They're not going to think, oh, well, she sounds stupid. They're going to be going, wow, I wish I had the guts to say something like that. I'm afraid I would look stupid because we're all so centered in on ourselves. We're so self-centered on how do I look? What am I saying? How am I going to come across with this? Because that's what the world has ingrained in us. Because the few times that you really don't pay attention, somebody comes and pounds you, you know, and social media makes it so much worse, right? So, um, and she had never thought of that before, but I wouldn't have had it without reading this section on Mighty Prayer and thinking about all of this self, everything. We're so self-absorbed. Um, and, and I think that's what we need to, to get rid of and i think that's that's part of the lies that satan tells is that nobody's going to look out for us but us you have to look out for yourself yeah. and and so that makes us more self-absorbed um and i know scott has been sharing a his thought in um in sunday school he was doing it again today that wouldn't it be interesting if everything that we did was to take care of somebody else, one of our neighbors. We didn't do anything for ourselves, And we relied on the Lord to inspire someone else to do those things for us. And isn't that what Zion is about? We're not thinking of ourselves. We're not doing it all for us. We're doing it for somebody else. And if everybody is doing that same thing, everybody is thinking about someone else and trusting the Lord that he will inspire other hands to come and do things for us, then we will all be lifted. That's when you don't have any poor, right? That's when you don't have those divisions. That's when you don't have people who are left out and who are lonely and, and whatever, because everybody's thinking about everyone else. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. amen that's yeah have you ever heard the story of the long-handled spoons mm -hmm. yes yeah because mm -hmm. it's too long for you to be able to feed yourself yeah, it's, it's the difference between hell and heaven it's a big pot of soup in the middle and everybody's sitting around and all they have is really long like three foot long spoons mm -hmm. and the people in hell are trying to feed themselves and can't bend their elbow to put a three foot long spoon in their mouth. So, but heaven is you reach across, you dip in and you feed the person across from you. Mm -hmm. And it will that. reach three feet across to the next person. Mm -hmm. So it's about, you know, Christ never thought about himself. He, his will was in the father and helping other people. And it was interesting. I was out with a group of people and the gentleman said something to his wife because we were playing a game and she was like being sorry for herself because she was kind of losing. He says, oh, my heart bleeds for you. 
And I thought, Christ's heart bled for us. You know, do our hearts bleed for other people? Do we have empathy and compassion for other people? Or do we think of ourselves first? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's hard because we do. The world teaches us to be self-interested and self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to let go of, of that. Yeah, yeah and they, it's but that's what the gospel's all about. Is about the sacrificing of our own wills to God's, and He'll help us, you know, serve and make those things, and He'll make up the difference. We're we're told it's a dog eat dog world, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to eat eat you if you don't take care of yourself. I mean, right. and we hear that all the time, and we take that in and go, okay, well, I have to take care of me. But think about, think about all the things that you do because you're worried about your own future. Mm-hmm. Yep. Investing, retirement, 401k, you know, we all squirrel away money. We don't use it to help anybody else. We're squirreling it away because we need to take care of ourselves in the future, right? Because nobody's going to take care of us. And social security is not going to do it right. You know, and, and, you know, you got to take care of yourself first. And so, no, I don't have money to help these people. I don't have money to, to do this or to do that or whatever. Just, it, that's just one example. The, the world is full of them, of examples. We, do it with time. I have to take, I have to have my me time. Isn't that a, a new mantra now? You know, I got to have me time. Where was that when I had five little kids? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, because I I think I kind of used to do a somewhat similar to, to the girl that you're talking about here, where I, I always thought that I had to debase myself in order for them to be able to trust me or know that I'm on their level kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it that's such a harmful practice because like looking at Isaiah's ministering ladder, right? I mean those above minister to those below and pull them up it's not like we're just like pushing these people up out of the trenches by our own bad example and our own self-flagellation but that when we actually reflect god's light as we are being helped from above we then help below and and it's all of this reflection of light we don't need to debase ourselves anymore and to um, have to kind of get into the trenches and, and make them believe us. But if we genuinely reflect God's love and, and trust and everything that carries so much more weight with the people that we're helping than, you know, just being their buddy. And, um, uh, you know, like we don't help someone, uh, quit smoking by saying, okay, so I'm going to start smoking and then we'll quit together. Okay. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> you, you help them, based upon love and, and effort, whether that's empathy or if you've ever uh, went into the same trenches that they have, or if you haven't, that anyway, that, that self-debasement is, is a, a tricky slope, especially growing up. Sometimes you might see examples of it growing up or, or whatever, and you think that that's how you have to be. You have to always debase yourself and say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not really great, but here's my opinion kind of a thing. And it never carries much weight. It's never lasting kind of a thing but uh i think that you know like especially like reading this book and 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 these principles here all of uh all of this like the spoon the the principle and everything we're all meant to serve each other and and learning that 
just like Nancy said, the, the counterfeit is so valuable that, that it's strong. Uh, and uh, that self-promotion or self-debasement is, is equally damaging to, to our relationships and to our own ability to grow. But yeah. And then, Mm-hmm. Your, your example that you gave, Cameron, that, that reminded me of what I hear all the time in, in like Sunday School and Relief Society. Somebody has a comment to make and they start, they always start with, well, I was just going to say, do, do you hear that, right? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, as a, well, I'm not sure, you know, kind of thing that they really are more confident in themselves, but they just feel like they have to lead yeah. off with that to, to see humble. But um one of the things that, um, you know, some people grow up always seeing somebody debase themselves. I grew up with the, you never let anybody see you do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is okay. equally damaging. <laughs> yeah, yes, because what did I do when I had my kids, right? I wanted to make sure that I, I was afraid if they ever saw that I did anything wrong or incorrect, that they, that would be giving them license to do the same thing instead of, saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I've screwed up. You know, the atonement is real. This, you know, you can come back from anything kind of thing. And it has taken me a long time to learn that, you know, and as an, as my kids are adults and I've had to, you know, I've talked to them about stuff and said, hey, (laughs) you know, mom's not perfect, you know, you know, and, and, and they, they went, what? what really you know you're admitting this now (laughs) they've had a paradigm shift on a couple of things as well um you know but we have to i think we're given some of these experiences that we have and we go through some of these things so that we can reach down to someone and who's at a lower level and say i've been where you are let me help you up not I'm going to come down and wallow with you, right? I've been where you are. This is how I felt. This is what I did. Here's how I relied on the Lord. Here's how I changed. Here's what Christ did with me to enable me to do more. Here's what he can do for you. And that is, that is so much more worthwhile to someone who's struggling than somebody that they see as perfect and has never had done anything wrong in their life, right? And, you know, I wish I'd known that when my kids were young. I know all sorts of things now that I didn't know when my kids were young. Yeah. But (laughs) they don't come with an owner's manual. Maybe we should have grandparents write the owner's manuals for the Really? (laughs) Because, you know, my grandkids are just like my kids were, you know, it's the mom's curse. If one day you're going to have a kid just like you. Yeah, Uh, or multiples. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but i i think i think that that's all part of that reaching down and helping them up and as we do that if we do it with that right attitude not the hey i'm better i'm you know whatever and and i see that even with what we're learning right with studying these books our eyes are opened and we know so much and there's a tendency, you know, and the adversary wants you to go, man, you know, all this stuff, you are so much better than all these people who don't know, you know, they're not awake, they're still asleep. And, and that is so easy to fall into. It is really prevalent in, um, with people who have learned a lot and you have to stop and go, no, I, I was like that once. That was me 
three years ago or four years ago? What did I do? Where have I come? How can I help? Mm -hmm. Yes, L, showing our vulnerabilities instead of showing we never make mistakes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of Brené Brown because she's big on Mm -hmm. that, showing your vulnerabilities because she she writes lots of books on shame culture because we do, we make other people have guilt trips, you know, with the lies like we talked about before. Um, People are insecure in their own life. And so they want to make you feel insecure in your life, which is anything but Christ-like. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you show your weaknesses, people take stabs at you. Or if you act like you're perfect, then they're like, oh, well, you're just perfect. And I, you know, so it's, we got to get rid of all these, whatever you want to call them, the way we treat each other, whether we're, you know, we show our weaknesses or we look like we're perfect, people will pick on you <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And I think we just have to be there to support each other in, in any way we can. Well, and I, I think that's a, a symptom of Babylon and how far we mm-hmm. are in Babylon when we are surrounded oh, yes. by people who do that. And all it takes is one other person, like in a, in a Relief Society or Sunday school class, all it takes is one person to be vulnerable and then another person to say, yes, I feel that same way and to back them up. And once you have uh-huh. two, nobody goes after him. everybody's right. on by the end every, yeah everybody is like oh yeah i feel that way too but if one person says it and nobody else says anything to back them up then they're left hanging and yeah. so if mm-hmm. if you are ever in a class and somebody takes that vulnerable step back them up because that's all they need that's right nice, yeah yeah exactly wondering like how to like keep reminding myself that I just need to like write it on my forehead <laughs> Back yeah up. well there's a visual I remember finding it was people in a boat with a hole in the boat so the boat is tipped on one end and it's leaking and there's people on that end there's people on the other end and the people on the high end that I'm glad I'm not in that boat where they're sinking <laughs> you know and it's yeah. more like you've got you're all in the boat together and you got to realize that you got to you know <laughs> Yeah. Not just go, oh, well, hmm, I'm just going to leave them hanging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all yeah. the same boat. <laughs> well, and I think that when, as we develop charity, as we develop that pure love of Christ, which is the next section, love how I did that. Uh, <laughs> as we do that, it, um, it becomes natural to yeah. do some of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it because we are becoming more like Christ, and as we become more like Him, it becomes more natural to behave this way, you know, and, and to think this way, to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. You know, isn't that one of the things we were um, encouraged to do in conference, uh, what, a year and a half ago, was to study the attributes of Christ? And how can we? How can we be more like him? They even, um, oh, geez, a couple of years ago, President Nelson said to read the Book of Mormon and and highlight everything about Christ, right? Um, I think that was in the Spiritual Treasures talk. That was 2019. But then in 2020, somebody else gave a talk and was talking about the preach my gospel thing and doing that assessment that's in there. 
where are you on these things? What can you do to do better? They're giving us baby steps. If we just follow them, it will end, we'll, we'll lead there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love it. So is it possible? Like, I mean, the final things here, achieving Zion and 144,000, if, if that's the calling for it. I, I'm waiting for entertaining angels. Oh, you, you. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm waiting. Skip for section? I have a little sign. I have angels sign. I have a little sign that's in my room. I've got it. I, I'm, I'm buried under a table. So Scott's got to get it uh-huh. for me. But um, wait, this is. You just got her <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. <laughs> Come see me. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's not a Santa stop here sign. It's a. Mm-hmm. Yep. Angels, this, <laughs> this is your, your spot. Come on. <laughs> yep. And in, uh, in the Angels of Fire book, um, John gives some very interesting um, opinions on the definition of angels. I mean, we, we think of angels as Moroni, Gabriel, you know, whatever, but maybe we've entertained angels. I gotta, angels <laughs> I gotta get to there. Oh no. Yeah. I'm on the last three chapters of, of that book or whatever, and it's getting pretty cheesy and I'm having to like really push myself to get through it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for uh, the angels on as well. There, there are a couple of cheesy parents chapters in there relationship based oh my gosh when I was recording it I was just like puke 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 (laughs) I'm not a cheesy emotional type guy or whatever push through it you'll get to the good stuff (laughs) endure to the end Cameron (laughs) (laughs) yeah funny yeah Leslie um um talking about angels um on page 317 of the last paragraph. Um, it says the astonishing element, I thought of Encanto when I read this paragraph. Um, the astonishing element of this account, it was, um, well, the, the sentence above it says, um, hang on have, go to the one above that could it be also that belief plays a powerful role in whether or not we see heavenly visitors and visions consider this account joseph of joseph inviting two brethren to join him in a vision brother joseph joseph then said now brethren we will see some visions joseph lay down on the ground on his back and stretched out his arms and the two brethren lay on them and the heavens gradually opened the astonishing element of this account is that Joseph was so um, proactive about it. He didn't just wait for angels to appear. He just did, went and did it. And he invited two other brethren to join him in the vision. He had seen many angels and and it was uh, well within his belief structure that he could do it again. Um, And the brethren had confidence that Joseph do that and um i it goes back to our beliefs again whether or not we think we will if we have um 
I'm not saying I'll just go and do that tonight and then we'll all see angels, but <laughs> I think there's a lot of um, a lot of power in that. And in Encanto, when Maribel, she knew that her uncle had received a vision. And so she's like, well, do it again. And she had faith. She believed that he could and assumed that it would work. And I, I think there's great power in in that belief and i know that when my um i mean it was it was uh we could i could feel my husband's presence from the very beginning after he passed away and um so i had no doubt that i could could experience that again and so there so my unbelief in that regard didn't um prevent him from um from making his presence known and so i wondered you know how many other things am i preventing from experiencing because i don't believe like i believe in in that sort of thing so yes. so i bet you that we can have more of those experiences angelic angelic ones as we press forward and believe mm -hmm. love it yeah like <laughs> John's really taken aback by this whole thing. Like, what great faith they had to just okay, we're we're just gonna go see a vision, you know, kind of thing. But uh, it just gets me all riled up and inspired. Like, yeah, just do it. Like, like let's have these experiences that the the scriptural prophets are having, that our our current um, leaders are having. Like, why not? It, it all comes down to, to unbelief and. Well, let's do it. That's one that I I actually do like all the time, like dreams and visions and stuff. Like as soon as I, I caught on to that principle, it just flows. And uh, I don't even have to ask anymore. <laughs> it's just it's just a part of yeah, but um oh, we believe all things. Yeah. <laughs> Article of faith phrase comes to mind with this type of stuff yeah we believe all things it, it's a powerful thing if we'll actually have that resonate within our souls all things encompasses an awful lot yeah <laughs> exactly how many times when we hear somebody um share a story or something that's meaningful to them do we automatically just scoff and disbelief you know, um, like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Not even, even, not even in the church, right? You, you just mm -hmm. hear somebody talking about something and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. You know, that cynicism comes out and you go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. I, I do actually believe some of these things. Where is this coming from? It's just so ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the chart on 320, do you guys um, all agree? Like, what would you change or, or modify from that chart? Or is it good just how it is? The, the first time I read it, I was like, nah, I don't know if I totally agree with the placement of all those labels. But then the more I got thinking about it, I'm like, okay, yeah. And especially how, you know, uh, there's not a one size fits all pattern to, to everything, right? But um Anyway, it's just been interesting really studying that chart and seeing uh, 
the different things that John's putting forward, you know, like he put a lot of thought into uh, diagramming this out. And I love a, a good visual representation that I can kind of uh, cling and uh, dissect, right? I love My the question. idea of looking back and seeing on our different journeys, like, oh yeah, this, this is where I've been and this is, you know, where things are different or not. I, I think this will be fun to look back and just kind of go, okay, mm -hmm. I, I can see the progression a little bit. Sorry, I cut you off, Nancy. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I was just looking at where calling an election was. It seems awful early, right? For mm -hmm. experience, experiences that I know of, right? You know, mm -hmm. it just seems awful early compared to some of the other things. Because I think doctrine distilling upon your soul that can happen without you having your calling and election. You can have mysteries revealed without having your calling and election. You can start feeling that building of charity before you've had your calling and election. Mm -hmm. So that's my only thing is how far back that is because the tendency is to look and say, okay, where have I done? What have I done along this line? Where am I on this line? And then to say, oh, well, I I'm- I think all of those other things lead up to- Yeah, you know, if, if, you, if, if I haven't had that yet, then how can I have all of these, right? It, it's, it's too far this way. Um, these, all these things help you lead to your calling and election, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah so. it's very interesting yeah that was one of the main things i was like ah, I, I don't know about that and then where he says that the um that uh, dashed line there is kind of that veil of unbelief um and stuff and anyway i was just kind of playing around with it and stuff and, and this week it's just been interesting how different things have kind of led into it of huh i was really disagreeing with it and then it started becoming all right to me kind of a thing and i don't know there it's just an interesting process i, I like seeing uh, other people's maps and, and diagrams here you know as i think it was group b wasn't i talking about like the book of mormon uh journey like i'm trying to map out people's experiences right yeah, yeah. Okay. um anyway and so I, I really liked kind of seeing john's here and and seeing that mapped out but i think it's also very individual yeah right for sure and, and um, you know, maybe this is his experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But ours might be different. You know, the Lord, one of the things that I have learned is that there are a lot of people that want to say, well, the Lord has to do this before he can do that. Oh, no, he can do whatever he, you know, he can do things in whatever order he wants. And sometimes he goes out of order, right? What we consider is order. Um, because that's what is needed at the time and it, whatever he does is always perfect but there are people that want to put him in a box and say he's got to be in this box and sometimes he's out here mm -hmm. well something that's coming to my mind too you think about um all the covenants we make you know baptism and our endowment and everything and we've gone through those but how many of us have actually received them and i've heard of people who have had their callings and elections made sure, but they've not received it yet because they haven't um, 
I don't know how to explain it because this is still a pretty new world to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, gonna be that that two part process, right? You you yes, get it and yes. then you give it. Yes, exactly. So um, I don't know. In my head, it's like that's something to keep in mind mm -hmm. on our personal. It's team. interesting if if anybody's been uh, listening along with the four ordinations book and and some of those chapters, it's like, huh, that two part process is kind of starting to really make sense and, and resonate uh, with me, especially going through triumph here, where sometimes we don't even realize that how far along or how many times he's been repeating it to us. But um, until we look back and go, oh my goodness, yeah. It, <laughs> of course, he's been giving me that and that and that. And I just didn't kind of realize it at the time, but how it kind of distills upon us, but. Well, and maybe that's it. That Maybe that's what it is, Cameron, is we might, you know, on this line, right? You might get your calling election right here, but you might not realize it and haven't accepted it until you're here somewhere. Maybe mm -hmm. that's the maybe that's it. Yeah. And when it's actually ratified by the spirit kind of thing and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. True. That feels very true. Yeah. Because that unbelief, that same unbelief we've yeah. been talking about. <laughs> will right will keep us from accepting that and isn't it such a blessing that we actually have this whatever you want to call it ordinance or uh, event this calling an election made sure which is actually the cure for unbelief right like uh, when when god actually can put a ratifying stamp saying hey if you keep going along the, the route that you're headed you're going to make it start believing like <laughs> this is it, you know? And, and I think that that's such a, a tender mercy that uh, he comes out. Oh, speaking of which tender mercies, like that has been interesting going through the book of Mormon. And when I'm charting out people's things, anytime that they're mentioning tender mercies, it usually is synonymous with calling an election made sure um, that they're receiving that tender mercy. Um, and that's why it, it started kind of clicking in my head just barely like, oh, oh, yes. That's kind of what I've been learning throughout the Book of Mormon. Kind of like highly favored of the Lord is yeah. I've seen Christ. Yeah. Highly favored of the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I've seen Christ. I've done it all, but like, I can't really say it. So here's a quote. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, we have others saying, hey, you know, my brother and, you know, Nephi and Jacob, and, and they all saw him, and they know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. This ratifying that you're talking about, I think it's the uh, sealing of the Holy Spirit of promise. Oh, yeah, because there's like that whole section, right? Was that last week or something? <laughs> Holy Spirit of promise. Darlene, say that again. Um, we, you were talking about the ratification of this calling an election made sure. Okay. I think it, they call it um, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of promise. Yeah, page 277. Okay, thank you. Well, that's mm -hmm. way back there. Yeah. Yeah, so the Lord bestows the promised blessings. So they're promised, but then actually bestows the promised blessings when we're really ready for them. 
and that yeah. functionality is called the Holy Spirit of Promise kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's like when, you know, in the endowment, you know, you are um, anointed to become kings mm -hmm. and queens, priests and priestesses. Mm -hmm. You're not there yet. But yeah. it's the, so here's the ordinance. Here's the beginning part. And then, you know, the second thing is when you actually are them. Yeah. Yeah, the last sentence of that section, when we finally and fully embrace and fulfill the covenants entered into, then the Holy Spirit of promise grants the full power of those blessings, even if it's decades later. So like decades later, calling an election, maybe that's when the, the first part can happen. After you've went through your temple covenants and going through consecration, full-on consecration, you can receive your calling and election, sure, at least the promise of it, and then the actual bestowal comes after all of those things that are, are on the upward slope there. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So on, in, back on 277 on the, the last paragraph, it says, due to the fact that we often choose to participate in ordinances when we are young and spiritually immature, we participate with imperfect understanding of what we are taking upon ourselves. You know, we think about that. We, we get baptized when we're eight. Do we really know what we're doing? We go on, get our endowments before we go on missions, 18, 19, or when we get married, do we really know what we're doing? Not a chance. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes, I think the reason the Lord lets us do those things when we're young is because that helps us to strive to live in that manner. And that leads us to, if we waited until we felt like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to make this commitment, man we would be baptizing 90 year olds mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 80 year olds instead of eight you know oh man all you have would be old people in the temple you know oh wait we already have <laughs> our fonts would probably look a lot different in order to <laughs> <laughs> we'll <kill> <laughs> yep. right but uh, you know <laughs> to, to think about that um you know the lord gives us this okay we're going to start out by, um, we're going to make this covenant. And I understand you don't really know everything that you're doing. And we're going to lead you along and lead you into it. And then we'll ratify it when we know you've got it. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the process of Abraham. Is that not exactly how each one of his covenants ended up? He didn't know what exactly was happening. And it was this like trial of faith and everything. He enters into it still willingly, like, okay, I'm going to trust you. And then uh, after process of time, boom. Oh, oh, that's what, oh, okay. I got you. I got you. That's what you meant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's always that, um, that process of, of just trusting, uh, not knowing uh, full on what's, what's happening. Um, I think that ties into um, going back to the, the last paragraph on 278 about when we fully, finally and fully embrace and fulfill the covenants. Um, I can't remember, I can't lay my hands on it right now where it is, but it talks about how when we were talking of the, um, I'm sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> um, the um, 
being the gaining the purity of heart by allowing the Holy Ghost to purchase of things that have nothing to actually do with sin. They're just the incorrect belief that we had. And I, I can't it's help. On 311. It's on what? 311. Okay. Thank you. Um, that's, that's a big part of it. I think that we're, I, I, I think us here, I don't, I don't think we want to sin. I think we are, uh, we're just, we're, we're caught in mortality and, and all that it brings with it. And so, um, and I think, think that's when, when our repentance starts to actually change, right? We're not repenting every day necessarily of things that we've done wrong. We're asking for forgiveness for our weaknesses, our human frailties, our yeah. mistakes, our errors, our misunderstandings, you know, those kinds of things. It, it's, it's a higher level. It's, it's when, when you're still doing stuff wrong and you know, you're doing stuff wrong. You're not thinking of those things you're, <laughs> but at, at some point you start going, okay, I'm taking an inventory. I'm striving so hard to live the way that I, I think somebody should live in Zion and, you know, but I'm still making mistakes and I'm still weak and I still get cranky when I'm tired and, you know, things like that. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's those kinds of, we can see that in, in our, in our repentance process in what we're asking for forgiveness from. And he does talk about that, about being, um, just repenting of our, of our mortal weak state mm -hmm. where we're prone to do all those things that you just mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I had lots of little aha moments here that I, I wasn't expecting to. You know you have them when you come to Group B, Cameron. You should be not be surprised Yes. I don't know about the other groups because I, I don't have time to sit and watch the videos as much as I would probably like to. But um, You're good. And, and I know better than to watch the video that I'm in because I don't know that I want to see. Um, it's so interesting going back and, and re-watching it and, and stuff <laughs> but yeah I, I've lived it once I don't need to see it again yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it this is this is always very very oh, eye-opening with this mm -hmm. yeah it's a, a perfect conclusion to, to this book and uh, just kind of wrapping things all up like this is possible we've got to cast off our unbelief and these things start happening first it's it's kind of this process of uh, you're going to kind of get it but not fully but then as you you work through and uh, keep trusting and everything uh, that it's actually achievable that uh, that we can become zion because zion is such a, a hard principle for the the natural man to to arrive at just on on our own and so uh, accumulating all of this knowledge and faith in order to cast off the unbelief and and do it with others i mean because it's never a, a solo thing like we thought that that spoon imagery is just so pertinent in, in my brain now um uh, you know 
serving others and and really getting there but it's totally achievable the he has the list right on the pathway to zion on page mm -hmm. 325 and it's interesting to see you've got second comforter and then endowed from on high and then translation and then zion so what has the prophet been asking us to do to, to take the time to be taught by the Lord himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. He asked ask for the Lord to teach us himself. Um, we just are studying, is Moses 7 this week? Yeah. Or was that last week? Um, I think it last week. Was that last week? Yeah. I think, it, I think it's Moses 7. It could be in Moses 6. I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, Enoch... Enoch sees and talks to the Lord, right? And, and then in um, 2 Nephi uh, 30, 31 is the doctrine of Christ. And then if you go into 32 on verse 6, it, it says, and this is the doctrine of Christ, and this is what you shall have until um, the Lord, give me a second, I'll, I'm, I'm going to butcher it otherwise. <laughs> <sighs> See, I, I know I know what it's supposed to say, but I'm going to butcher it if I don't. I have it highlighted to death in my scriptures, which is in my study, which is behind two sleeping grandchildren. So um, we've got to find it on the tablet here. Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you, ye shall observe to do. So we have the doctrine of Christ, which is basically everything coming up here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until you get your second comforter. And when he does it, not if, when he does it, then you're going to do what he tells you to do, right? And that's when I, that's when you really are endowed from on high when you become the kings and queens and the priests and priestesses when you can ask for translation and then you qualify to live in zion so the prophet is telling us do this be taught by christ hear him and at the same time saying you need to be unified you need to be able to live in zion i mean they're taking all of these approaches to try to get people to this point and to get them to do the spiritual work necessary, you know, and to not be lazy learners and lax disciples. And, you know, all those things that we are, all those quotes we're going to study starting in a couple <laughs> weeks, right? Yeah. Um, but he has been, he's been asking us to do this because he's trying to get us to Zion. And he can't do it until we're ready. And, and we as a people, we're, we're dragging our feet. And the Lord even gave us COVID. The Lord gave us COVID to give us time to break free of all the debris in our lives so we can focus on stuff at home. And, and did we do that? Did we take advantage of that? And then when things start to open up again, did we just ditch those and run back to Babylon again? Right? Yeah. You know, and if we see that go, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to be a pillar of salt. I don't want to be like Lot's wife. Let me turn back around. <laughs> let me leave that behind we really were much better off when we were locked in our homes <laughs> not that we want to do that again <laughs> I like to have that freedom 
but you know when you when you can say yes i have the freedom to choose but i choose righteousness i choose god i choose not to have the influences of babylon invited into my house and 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 that's what the prophet has been begging us to do yeah yeah and, it, and it really is powerful and this is where it leads it's so cool to see that right to see what we're studying lines up so well with what the prophet has been saying mm-hmm because there's a lot of people that'll say otherwise. And it's like, no, it's, it's all right here, guys. There are. There are a lot of people. And, and again, it comes down to what is being counterfeited and why. Yeah. And what is being discounted by what voices and why. Mm-hmm. When you understand those patterns, it's a lot easier to decipher things that are happening in the world. Guys, I think our next study is going to be so helpful in this because as we're doing the deep dive into President Nelson's words, um, we can stand as witnesses of of all of this. And I, I think it's so exciting. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. exactly. It it is going to be it's going to be great. I uh, I sent Cameron a picture this week. <laughs> you see all that (laughs) (laughs) got it all set out i've been starting this week uh doing my chiastic uh versions of them and stuff it's been fun these are just color-coded tabs with different things so that i can see how many times he's talked about certain topics take a screenshot nancy (laughs) (laughs) hang on wait a minute it's tough, Nancy. So I, you'll you can come on bigger. On um, I'm on my phone. Oh, sorry. There we go. I love it. You're my inspiration this week. <laughs> and I'm not done. I'm only um. Page two. Yeah, no, page two. <laughs> <laughs> I still have another forty pages to do. But girl, um, you know, all the different things on personal revelation, right? That he's taught. All the things on um, gathering of Israel, all the things on preparing the world for the second coming, all these extra long little things are when he's talking about truth. One of his favorite phrases is truth is truth. Yeah. How many times has he said that? Right? Because people want to say that truth is relative. Mm -hmm. Truth is truth. Um, Just uh, all of just all the things, you know, um, I have, I even do color coding on the edges. I have, I have a color code thing at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I need to pick your brain. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very visual person. Oh. So, um, you know, all the changes and adjustments, you know how many changes and adjustments that we've had, right? So I do those on light blue and then I have this darker teal. Every time he talks about repentance, I highlight it and then I put a little, um, I color the side of the page, you know, like this is, ah, there it is. I color the edge of the page, right? Simple so card. I can see that's <laughs> where it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and I do that for those. And then, you know, for the second coming, I started doing that as well because there's just it's so many. Um, but it's been really, really good for me. You know, lately, I'm on a lot of different Facebook groups and I hear a lot of people and they're complaining of mightily about about the prophet. And it was so good for me, right? To do this deep dive. I spent five hours one night. I was like, you know, I don't want to get this started. I know once I start, I'm going to be there for hours. Next thing I know, here I am five hours later, you're going, oh my gosh, it's 2.30 in the morning. It's time to go to bed. Um, and I was only, you know, halfway through, but um, I, I was, um, I really needed it that day because the next day I had to respond to somebody online and I needed to be able to speak with conviction and power of what I knew and what I knew I had just reviewed, mm -hmm. right? And it is so, so helpful to do this. Yeah, I, I'm super excited when we, we dive into to that and getting everybody's insights into all of it. Because I mean, it was one thing living through all of those, but then to, to look at it with retrospect and with lots of uh, opinions and perspectives that uh, are doing it as well. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah. And you know, all those different little things that we like to quote, like take your vitamin pills and eat your, and get your, eat your vitamin pills and get your rest. You mm -hmm. know, all those kind of things that we like to quote, I have a tape flag for each one so I can find it like that. Yep. That, what color is it? <laughs> what, what? What color is it? Are your little um, that one is green. It's green. Um, you know, wait till next year and then the next year, eat your vitamin pills, get your rest. It's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? It's so? a lot like how they sold a set to do buy the scriptures for the missionaries. There, I did that before the digital scriptures came out, and it was so helpful. You put an index in the front, it was like a little graph around the edges. Uh -huh. I'd forgotten that I even did that until I saw you do that. And that's how I used to mark my scriptures. They were color coded. Um, and then you take little dots and you fold them mm -hmm. over the pages of your scriptures for verses. So immediately, if you wanted something on repentance or faith, you'd find that in the directory and you go down the color code and you could find the scriptures lickety split. Yeah. And it's just like that. Yeah. Showing your age, L. You're right there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't even know when the digital scriptures came out. When did they come out? I don't know, but I don't use, I, well, I, I, I know we sort of, but <laughs> these, this is what I mark with everything okay. from everything from here over has a specific meaning. Uh -huh. these, these I use for sort of categories and to highlight other things, but Godhead, um, the faith, Plan of salvation, Christ, yeah. prophets, last days, priesthood, covenants, <laughs> family or women specific kind of things, commandments. Yeah. And Which then those are the best scripture marking ones. The Stadlers, oh my goodness. Like once I found those, I was like, where have these been my whole life? <laughs> I should go back, but I'm so hooked on my digital ones. And we had state conference and that's what the the president, the state president talked about, he says, I love my digital scriptures. And he talked about what he had the tags on the most. 
And it was mm-hmm. so interesting. That's how he started his yeah. talk. It's like, I have the tags the most on temples. And then he had something else. I can't remember what it was about something about when we step into worldly things, you know, Babylon things, as opposed to that, where people, I can't remember, he called it something else, but it was interesting. And he just, he loved his yeah. digital scriptures. So well, I use similar colors in my digital scriptures, you know, uh-huh. the ones that they have. But like right. these two colors are kind of dark, right? This uh-huh. this dark burnt, it's actually a burnt orange and this dark sage green. I use these for the bad people and the bad things, right? <laughs> so like Raymond and Lemuel got a lot of this. Yeah. And, and you know, when they are um, waxing in unbelief or whatever, you know, any of that stuff we have to watch out for and the negative or... stuff I do, I do in these. You know, so these I kind of use depending on the the chapter or the section or whatever, but, you know, I just. Do you use your paper scriptures as opposed to the digital ones? When I'm studying, yeah. I have a, my Book of Mormon is one of the journal editions that Deseret Book sold. Oh, okay. Um, But then um, I found a PDF of the other scriptures that actually have wide margins all the way around. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are nice. I printed them. And I bound them on discs like this. Awesome. And I have the Old Testament is in three parts. <laughs> and and I Scott has a set and I have a set. And we mark up our scriptures and write in the borders and do all sorts of stuff and things that we learn and questions. You know, I've written questions in there. And, and then when I find the answer, I, I can, you know, when I go back later and go, oh, yeah, I know the answer to that now. And I can write it underneath there and tell where it is. And it just that kind of thing. Um, that way I'm not dependent upon these. That's why I said, I know where it is in my personal scriptures and I know how it's marked because I have a not quite photographic memory, but I can tell you where stuff is on the page. Uh, if I do that, I, it doesn't work on a phone. Nancy, it's what kind of scripture markers are those? I missed it. You said that I, Stedler. Yeah. Oh, let me get it. Hold on. I'm going to do a picture. Of this. They are, they are more pricey, but if you, um, they're like 30 bucks, I think, um, or more, but if you go to Michael's and if, if you can get a 50% off coupon from Michael's or Joanne's or 40% off, then it becomes a more reasonable price. And they last a long time. I have had these for a couple of years and the only one I've had to buy a second one of is this. And you can buy individuals as well. But this is my second red. So this is stuff about Christ. What is that? <laughs> that tells me where I'm marking the most. But um, yeah, they're really good. Now that I've done our product placement for the night, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's been a a good uh fun discussion and lots of different ways that i I wasn't expecting but uh anyway a great way to to end triumph of zion Uh, um thanks for all of your patience (laughs) thanks with my technical glitches tonight but um do we have to have questions or anything ready ahead of time for next week Yes, please come with questions, but you don't have to like submit them ahead of time or anything like that. So yeah, uh, next week, we won't be having our normal eight o'clock. So it will be one hour earlier. 
Uh, it'll be Sunday at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, an author chat, well, as close to an author chat as we can get with uh, Herrick Muelstein, which is a nephew. And he's involved in publishing all of John's work here posthumously. And um, Todd McLaughlin, who has kind of uh, taken on the role of maintaining the, the Facebook group and the blog and keeping the conversation going. So they're both intimately involved with with Triumph Design and the, the whole project there. So you're you're welcome to, to have questions about the book specifically, any questions that come up. Uh, Todd McLaughlin's like, you know, kind of heading in that, in his personal studies with uh, priesthood and blood and sins of the generation and oath and covenant of the priesthood, that's kind of his forte at the moment. Uh, he'd uh, gladly accept any uh, questions you got there. Um, and then Herrick kind of in the, the personal and family story realm of John Pontius's life and, and experiences and uh, processes there. Uh, anyway, just kind of anything we got, they'll they'll have some some answers and discussion. And anyway, hopefully it'll be a, a great one. <laughs> hopefully it's like not just crickets and people going, um, why do we have them here? <laughs> but um, that we'll have lots of good discussion and, and lively debate there. But. I've bring got one more question. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to talk as much. So bring your question. <laughs> I've yep. got one question, but okay. So I've got uh, this book on Audible. Does anybody else have it? The it's not right. It's like oh, my it's so awful. <laughs> it's well, it's like out of order. It yeah. is. Yeah. Order because I, I listen and read at the same time because it keeps me focused. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I found the same thing. It's yeah, it's out of order. It's so out of order. So I've started going through every section and I put the timestamp of where it is in That's Audible. a good idea. What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, oh, come on, you guys. I can't I don't I know. in the book. Hey Cameron. Um oh. an email you sent out to all of us on December 31st. It was the 2022 book club updates. Um uh -huh you had some attachments and there is a one that's it's called volume two dot pdf and then it's the book of nelson 2008 to present but then that's all i've got on that attachment it doesn't have all the talks after that so i don't know if my email's being funny or if it was a different attachment or something uh -huh, yeah so volume two should be everything 2018 clear up until last general conference yeah, so, which is great, but it doesn't have the talks. It literally just has the title page and then a blank page. There's, oh, only, there's oh. only two pages on the attachment. Oh, gotcha. I was like, yeah, that, that should be everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll send that back out. <laughs> I did great. that one other time with somebody and they're like, well, where is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just know. looking for it to start getting prepared for our next step. And I was like, wait. Uh -huh. Not all there, so yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks for bringing that. that to my attention. I'll I'll reattach that and stuff when I send out because I'm going to be sending out just kind of like an update letter and and really yeah. getting uh, uh, prepared for the coming two weeks. But. Did Perfect. you ever do a table of contents that has the title of the talk with the chapter number? <laughs> I did. It's in a rough draft stage, and so that's what I'll be doing when I send that back out. Yeah, and so. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, as much as I like this, just yeah. chapter numbers does not help me find something when I know it by a, you know, a name. A yeah. title like hear him or spiritual treasures, which is why I now have, you know, little tape flags on the top for those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and one more thing, real quick. If anybody has not been trained on the 1910 project, do it because it's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, this 1910 project is <laughs> kind of kicking my butt at the moment, trying to get it all scheduled out and stuff. But I, I'd love if, if you or somebody that you know wants to get involved in family history, um, you can go over to my personal website and schedule a, a Zoom session with me and we'll, we'll get you started. It takes about an hour. But yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> it's been fun. We will see everyone next week for the author chat. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Good night. Bye. Have a good week.